15. Let me jump into the scripture. Spirit of God, I know that you are here. Let the entrance of your word bring light and let that light guide our path, guide our lives going forward. Thank you for the transformation that comes in your word. We honor your word. We give weight to your word. And we say, Lord, let your word be the thing that directs our future. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 15. How are we doing? Are we okay? Are we good? Are we live? Should I wait? YouTube is live. Okay. Facebook is not live yet. Amen. Genesis chapter 15. Tonight I'm going to be summarizing the series that we've been looking at on a Tuesday, which is to do with vision. I hope that tonight's message will help you carry out some kind of qualitative assessment um, on your vision, on your vision. I've called this message a quality vision, a quality vision. Amen to your neighbor, neighbor. I hope your vision for your life is a quality one. You know, sometimes we get stuck in a particular cycle of sameness because we don't know anything different, and we don't know anything different because we can't see anything different. And so sometimes what God does is that he interrupts our norm with uh, a vision of something that is different from what we currently know. He, he, he brings a vision to change our experience. And so in Genesis chapter 15, God appears to Abraham. A Abraham at this point, he was called Abraham. He appears to Abraham in a vision. And in verse 1, he says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. Let me just insert this. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say this, but let, let me tell you. Notice that the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. God often speaks to us in visions. In other words, um, not necessarily like, um, like, like this particular scenario where it's an open vision or you're asleep and you see a vision or you close your eyes. Not just those types, but your vision, whatever you see for your future, God uses that as a means of communicating to you. Amen. Because he spoke to Abram in a vision. So your vision should be God-breathed, should be from God. I'll come, we'll look at that um, maybe later on. So he says to him, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord, what will you give me? Seeing as I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look. You have given me no offspring, and indeed, one born in my house is my heir. See, God was looking to give Abram a reality, a new reality in his life, but Abram had faced, just like you and me, we, he had faced a few challenges in his life, and, um, and these challenges had clouded his ability to see what God was showing him. I wonder if you have had some experiences in life. It could well be this evening that some of the conclusions that we have made concerning our lives as individuals, some of the conclusions that we have made as families, as a church, um, have been clouded by legitimate experiences. It could well be that the conclusion you've made about how your life is going to turn out has been clouded or has been based on your experience and not on God's ability. A lot of the times we have, in fact, everyone has a, a vision of their future. But many people have a vision of their future that has been shaped by, primarily by their experience and not necessarily framed by the word of God. 
there was so much goodness in store for Abram, but his vision was impaired. So he began to make conclusions about his life on the basis of the information that he was fed by his experience as opposed to the word of God. What is your view of your future? What is your view of your future? What is your view when I talk about your future? I'm not just talking about, you know, people who often ask, what's your five-year plan? I'm talking about what's your view of tomorrow being Wednesday? Tomorrow Wednesday? That's the one. What's your view of tomorrow? What's your view of Friday? What's your view of a month? What's your view of 10 months' time? What's your view of five? How do you see your future? What do you see in your future? What is the future you see for yourself? How do you see your marriage turning out? Do you have a vision of you growing old together? How do you see your career turning out? Do you have a vision of progression? Or do you have a vision that this is where you're going to be and you're trying to retire where you are? What is the vision that you see? Could it be today that you have a certain vision, not on the basis of the truth of the word of God, but on the basis of the level of truth that your experience has presented to you? Could it be that your future, the future you see, is not from God? Could it be that it is from your experience? Think about what I'm saying. Could it be that you have a, a, a vision that is based on your experience? It might be that it might be true that in one sense that you go childlike uh, like Abraham. It might be true that, that, that the only logical person who would be heir in your home because of the absence of the child is this servant. It might be true that you have just two GCSEs. It might be true that you are overwhelmed with debt. It might be true that cancer has been, you know, found in your body. It might be true that nobody has been there to help you. It might be true that, that, you know, what you're going through, this is the toughest and hardest season of your life up until date. All those things, and we're not denying the level of truth that they are, but you've got to understand that that is not the only truth that there is. Truth, think about truth like an onion. It has layers. There are levels to truth. Amen? There are levels to truth. Everyone say there are levels to truth. Amen? It is true that you are here, but you know what? A higher level of truth is that you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So, So you being seated in heavenly places does not negate the truth that you are here. But if you had to make certain decisions, there are certain decisions that it would be okay to make on the basis of you being in this room, but then there is another kind of decision that you would need to make, that you would need to leave the truth of you being in this room, make that a lesser truth, and lean on the truth that you are seated in heavenly places. Because truth is in layers. Everyone say truth is in layers. Uh, and, and, and the reality is that there is another level of truth that you and I can operate in, but we have got to come out of our tent to catch that vision. You have to come out of your, you have to be willing to let go of your current experience in search of what God wants you to see. If you read from verses 4 and 5, you find that just outside of the tent where Abram was, there was a lot of sand. Just outside of the tent where he was, there was the stars. There were things that were testifying to Abraham that, listen, not only can God give you a child, there were things just outside the tent 
testifying that God can give you children, so many children that you won't be able to count. The things in his tent were saying to him, I can't have children and Eliezer will be my heir. But just outside of his current experience, he are testimonies, are things that are around testifying that God has so much more in store for him. Just outside of the house where you've been worrying about all kinds of things, worrying about what you need, just outside of the bedroom that you have spent sleepless nights, outside of that bedroom is a tree, and on that tree is a bird, and that bird is testifying that whilst you have been worrying, there is a God who can look after you better than he looks after the bird. Because you are, of worth, you are worth much more to him than the bird in the tree. That's what the bird is saying. Are you with me so far? But we have got to be people um, who understand how to let go, be willing to divorce yourself from uh, your experiences for a moment in order to see what God is showing you. And unfortunately, for many of us, our experiences are God. I'll say it again. For many of us, our experience is our God. And so just like Abraham, God can show up wanting to show you a vision of what he wants to do. But we spend our time trying to show, show God a vision of what our God, little G, has given us. I am preaching good today. The church is quiet. Amen. <laughs> the, the, the reality is Abra Abraham had an experience that he had bowed to. And so he is trying to get God to bow to what his experience is saying. But the reality is God is bigger than your experience. Tell your neighbor, neighbor. God is bigger than your experience. Can I just talk to you tonight? God is bigger than your experience. The love of God for you is stronger than the hate that you have experienced. God is richer than the lack that you know. Amen? The healing power of God is more powerful, is much more than the pain in your body. God is bigger than your experience. I said God is bigger than your experience. But what we've got to do is to let go of our experience first before we can have a different vision or a different experience. If you ask me what God has been doing in, this, in the few weeks that we've been talking about vision, he has been trying to wrestle you away from a vision that has been created by your experience and release you into a vision that is framed by his word. Amen? Wrestle you away from a vision that has been created by, by your experience and release you into a vision that is framed by his word. After Abraham complained um, about what he was seeing, God brought him outside and he gave him a vision. Now check out verse 6. Are you still with me? Genesis 15, verse 6 now. And, and he says, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him, as in God counted it to him, for righteousness. Would you put your right hand up? If you're on Facebook, you know, put the little emoji up. That will be good. <laughs> so just say after me. Say, I believe God. I oh, that's a small statement, but it's a powerful statement. I encourage you to make this one of the statements you, you say often. Say it one, one more time. I believe God. I believe God. Amen. The Bible says Abram believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. Listen to this. Faith will come when you see what God is showing you. Okay? 
Faith will come when you see what God is showing you. Can you see the, the, the profitable company that God is showing you? Can you see the future that is full of the goodness of God, full of the mercy of God, full of God using you? Can you see what he is showing you in his word? Can you see yourself being a game changer in your family because God has, is showing you that that is who you are? Can you see yourself being a game changer in your industry? Can you see yourself free from that addiction? You could be believing God for a child, but God wants you to embrace a vision of children. Amen. He can give you a vision beyond where you are. What can you see? Because faith does not come in the absence of a vision. Amen. Faith is useless where there is no vision. In fact, faith is most potent when there is a vision. Faith is useless if you don't have a vision. That's why folk can come to church and get excited because you have faith in God, but without a clear vision of how you are going to apply your faith in God, you end up just being a noisy person because we'll make noise at church but not apply it to anything. Without a vision, faith has nothing to work on. Do you believe God or have you gone back into your tent? Amen? Which vision are you living for? I'm just going to keep asking you questions because I'm uh, a lot of these things we've talked about in the last few weeks. And I, and I just want to really challenge you tonight. Is that okay, church? You know, it's a rhetorical question. It, it's going to be okay. It really is okay. I, it makes me laugh every time we ask this question. I say, can I just teach you that? Well, I'm, I'm just going to teach tonight. I'm just going to ask this question. It makes me laugh when preachers ask you questions like that, that you can't say. What, what if I, I think sometimes, one time I asked a question that I didn't think anybody would have an answer to. I said, I said maybe, I, I don't think any of you have lived in a cave before. Somebody put their hand up. So I have. So, oh, <laughs> that, uh, that message just took a different turn. I was like, I don't know how to deal with this now because uh, my analogy just got messed up. <laughs> amen. Because sometimes we ask questions because we already know the answer that we are looking for. Amen. In fact, it's one of the ways to... Can I just do some teaching here? Well, if, you are, if you are standing before people and teaching you, you, and you want to ask questions, you, 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 need to be, you need to think about the question you are asking because you might get an answer. <laughs> Amen. Because the answer you get will determine the direction of your next statement. So you, you have to be careful to, to, to make sure that you are asking the right questions. Amen. It's not just for teaching, but it's in life, you know. If you learn to ask the right questions, you will learn to get the right answers. Anyway, thank you very much, Shido. That's how, that was for free. But look at this. Uh, uh, faith, faith does not come in the absence of a vision. Faith is not, if faith is not potent, it is useless if you don't have a vision that you are looking on. Do you have a vision? Are you, are, are you back in your tent or are you outside? Which vision are you living for? The vision created by your experience, that's the one in your tent, or the vision created by God? Because your tent is not all that there is. Your experience is not all that there is. In fact, what God said to Abram, I, I didn't think of that. God just showed me this as I was coming down. What he said to Abram is, I need you to come out from your tent and come and look at my tent. <laughs> just style it out, okay. 
Are you with me? I'm sorry. I just, I just got excited about that. So, so, Psalm 104, Psalm 104, verse 2 in the NIV talks about how God spreads the heavens open like a tent. He spreads the heavens like a tent. He spreads what, what some translation says, he spreads the heavens open like, like a canopy. So Abram is here, his, his experience is in his tent. And God is saying, I know you have that experience that is under your tent, but come out. Because under my tent, the experience is different. So he says, come out and look at my own tent. Oh, glory be to God. Because sometimes we are creating a vision or determining, making conclusions about our future on the basis of what we see in our tent. But God is saying, make your conclusions on the basis of what you see in my tent. The blessing of a believer is that we have now been brought into the household of God. And so now we don't dream like people in our own houses. We dream like people in the house of God. It's like when you're ordering food, there is a difference to when you're ordering food in your house to when somebody takes you to the Ritz and they say, order food. You know what I mean? You, you don't order cereal in the... Amen. Some of you, you know you're going to go home tonight, and because you can't be bothered to cook, you're going to have cereal before you go to bed. Amen. I'm not talking about myself at all. So, so <laughs> but, but that's what you do in your own house. But if you live in a house that is fully equipped, that at the click of a finger... There is all, everything you need to provide. You can dream a little more. And that's how God wants us to live. He wants us, you know, we looked at this on Sunday. We said we are blessed. And the reason we are blessed is that God has, in a way, bowed the knee to us. He has subjected himself, not bowing his knee in subservience to us, but he has submitted his kingdom to you. We are empowered because one who is more powerful than us has brought everything that he is and made available to you. So much so that he moved in. And so we've got to plan like people who are not in a little tent, but people who are looking at a tent that is big with stars. Amen? How, what is your vision? What do you see? Are you with me so far? So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions that just gets you. Again, the idea tonight is that, number one, you are provoked to think about what vision you have. If you don't have a vision, get a vision, please. Get a vision of something. In other words, it doesn't need to be deep. You don't need to sleep to get a vision. You can be awake, amen? Sometimes we can be deep and, uh, and be looking for all kinds of deep stuff. No, all I'm talking about it really is your outlook of your future. Amen. You can go as detailed as you want to be. Uh, the, your outlook of your future. What is the general outlook that you have about your future? Get a good one. Get a God-framed outlook. That's what a vision primarily is. But then, because we want to be more purposeful, we want to be more active, start to think about it for yourself. Uh, in more specific terms, what is my vision? What do, where do I see myself in five years' time? Where do I see myself in ten years' time? How do I see my life? What do I want to develop? Who do I want to be? Uh, what vision do you see? 
Amen? And I'm going to ask you a couple more questions because how you answer these questions will tell if you are under the stars or if you are under your tent. Amen? The, the, the questions, the way you answer these questions to yourself, I don't need the answers. The way you answer these questions to yourself will determine if, you are, if your vision or the vision you see has been based on your tent or is based on the vision that God is showing you. So number one question, what is your vision? What is your vision? Because you will never experience a new reality if you don't embrace a vision of something new. Okay? You will never experience a new reality if you don't embrace a vision of something new. Nothing has ever been done without vision. There is no reality that has been created that, doesn't, that is not birthed out of a vision. Everything we do, we see it first before we do it. If you're still cynical about your future, get a vision. Because when God gives you a vision, what he's doing is giving you a, a picture of a better tomorrow. What picture of a better tomorrow do you see? What picture of a better tomorrow do you see? Pastor, I don't know what my vision is. Well, what, what problems are in your immediate environments? What problems in your immediate environment are you articulate about? Okay? What problems in your immediate environment are you articulate about? Um, in, in the book of Judges chapter 6, are you still with me tonight? In the book of Judges chapter 6, Gideon is threshing wheat in the winepress, and the angel of the Lord appears to him and said to him, mighty man, God is with you. And, and he, he, if you go really, when you go home, um, Gideon got really articulate about the problem that they were facing with the Midianites, not knowing that he was the problem solver. Okay? He, he, he explains to God in detail the problem, you know how we do sometimes, we talk to God like God didn't know. Amen. Anybody ever been honest with God? Say, God, I don't know why you're telling me to do this, because if you didn't know what they said yesterday. No, he knew. And so, and so the, the, the Gideonite, this Gideon, the Gideonites, not my Gideonites, this, this Gideon, this my uncle here, he, he <laughs> <laughs> what he's doing, what he's doing is God calls him a mighty man, but he is so articulate about the problem that he is facing, not knowing that he is the problem solver. Oftentimes, we are very articulate about our problems, about the problems that we are called to solve. Listen carefully. Your vision is a glimpse. If you're on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube, please tweet this, put this out. Let somebody get it in case they didn't watch the video, but they want to read the comments to see who's hating. But look at this. Your vision is a glimpse of God's solution to a problem around you. Okay? I'll say it again. Your vision is a glimpse of God's solution to a problem around you. Sometimes we think problems invalidate our vision, but the truth is that problems are the reason you have a vision. Amen? Sometimes we address our problems as the problem. But the reality is that your problem or the problem you are facing, the problem you have in the relationship, the problem you are facing in life is calling for a vision. Amen? The truth is that problems are the reason you have a vision. God is a problem-solving God. 
and we are called to problem solve. You know, when God created mankind, he empowered, we'll look at some of this on, on, on Sunday, he empowered mankind to replenish the earth. One of the things God wanted to do is to replenish the earth, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Because, in other words, the implication of that was that the earth pre-existed before this time. And something had gone on that meant that the earth was not in the state that it should be. You don't replenish something if something wasn't there before. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Praise God. I know this is some of you. I don't want to think about that. No, yeah. Uh, 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 there are, there are, I do believe, and, and you know, we don't have to make a theology out of this or argue with this, but I do believe that there, there, there existed a civilization before what we see in Genesis chapter 1. There are so many reasons why. But, but, but one of the, the, the point I was making is, is God empowers them. And one of the things he says to them, he says multiply. And then he says replenish the earth. He empowers them to solve the problem of an earth that is not what it ought to be yet. That is who we are. The blessing of the Lord upon you is the empowerment from God for you to solve a problem that he also wants solving. But he derives joy in working with you to solve that problem. It's like, what we, it's like if I'm cooking and I invite my daughter to join me. I can do it by myself, but I derive joy in working with her. So what do you see? What is that vision that you see? How articulate about your, uh, about your vision for your life? If for every area of your life, think about, now, now you have to be purposeful about this. Don't sleep through life, okay? Many people sleep through life. In other words, they just kind of wake up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, just sleep through life. No, think about your life. Amen? Amen, church? Amen. Number two, so the first question is, what is your vision? How articulate about, are you about your vision? Number two, what purpose is that vision serving? So I'm talking about a quality vision. Because a quality vision, number one, will be clearly articulated. Okay? A quality vision is clearly articulated. A quality vision is serving a particular purpose. Whose purpose or what purpose is your vision serving? Um, Ephesians chapter, chapter, just write this down. We won't, we won't, we won't turn there for time. Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 15, uh, 15 to 18, Paul is talking about, in fact, let's go there if we can. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I haven't turned to any scriptures. Some of you might think I'm backsliding. So let's, let's turn to some scripture. Ephesians chapter 1. It says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. The moment, Paul says, the moment I heard that you're a believer, here is what I started to pray for you. Um, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Verse 16. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. Can I ask a favor? Could you make mention of me in your prayers? Amen, please. That's good. Call me by name, Chidoje. <laughs> Just in case you're not sure of the full name. Chido is good as well. But look at this. He says, he says making mention of you in my prayer. Then he says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened. When light comes in, vision comes in, okay? That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know. The first thing he says that when the vision comes is that I am praying that you will know what the hope of his calling is. In other words, the moment you get a vision, 
a quality vision is a vision that aligns with the thing that God had in mind when he called you. Okay? In other words, for every single one of us, God has a dream for our lives. There are things that he wants to accomplish when he brings people your way. When he joined you to this church, when he brought you to this broadcast, there is something that God wants to inspire in every single one of us. And a quality vision is a vision of your future that is aligned with what God had, with the hope of his calling, with what he had in mind when he called you. Does the vision you have serve his purpose or does it serve your purpose? Amen. Now, the vision, the vision you have will serve your purpose. But primarily, it should serve your purpose because it serves his purpose. Did you get that? So your vision should serve your purpose. In other words, you should be able to live off your vision. Your vision will bring satisfaction. Your vision should bring wholeness. It should add things to you. That's okay. But what I'm saying is that the way that it should add things to you should be because it adds things to him. Amen? The priority is his calling, and in his calling, we find our satisfaction. We find our wholeness. Does your vision serve his purpose, or does it just serve your purpose? Maybe that's a better way to put it. Is your vision about you getting the applause from the crowd, or is it about the audience of one? Amen? Your longevity in anything that you say, this is what I see, will depend on that question. I found out that if I'm going to serve the Lord long term, <laughs> amen, if I'm going to serve the Lord long term in terms of pastoring, in terms of being involved in church and building the church of Jesus Christ, I have to have a vision that is bigger than church membership. I have to have a vision that is bigger than my, my best dream about what a church would look like. I have to have a vision that is aligned to the hope of his calling. Are you with me so far? What is the vision you have? When your vision is fulfilled, who will be glad? That's one way to find out. Who, is, who will be happy if you accomplish that, if you built that business, if you started that ministry? Who will be blessed? Who will say, thank God you did that? Amen? Who will be glad if you did what you did? Just you? Or is there other people who will be glad too? Remember in the book of Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about how even though it's a mustard seed is so small. And by the way, um, you know the mustard seed is a type of the word of God. And the word of God is, um, is a vision inducer. Amen? In fact, words induce vision. So every time you hear the word, what God is trying to do is induce a vision in you. Are you with me so far? So he says in Mark chapter 4 that, um, uh, and, and Jesus talks about this, he says even though the seed, the mustard seed is so small, he says the will of God is that when it is fully mature, it will grow and it will provide shade for many. And birds will make their nest in the shade that the tree provides. Your vision is like a mustard seed. In fact, that's the reason many people don't pursue their vision. Because it looks too small and insignificant. When, he, when you think about all the birds that need somewhere to rest 
and you think about the seed that you have, you kind of want to throw your mustard seed away because you don't see how the seed will solve the problems of all these birds. But the reality is that your vision, my vision, always seems small for a reason. But God, remember last time we talked about committing to the vision. God wants you to be committed to that vision because his plan is that by the time it is fully mature, it will be this massive tree that many will perch off. Birds will build their nest on. Your family will be thankful that you did. You will employ many people. You will give people chances that you didn't have yourself. You will turn around your family. You will not hide from their phone calls anymore because, because the times you were hiding, you didn't have solution to the problems they were calling for. But now God has made you a big tree. So you're not, you're not intimidated by the size of the challenge they may face because you're a big tree. Amen. I'm a big tree. Amen. I'm that tree that nests will, birds will come and they will find food and they will find shade and travelers will find shade under this tree and, and kids will play under this tree. They will find safety. That's the will of God. Your vision has to be bigger than your satisfaction, than your pocket, than what it does to your house, than where you are. If you don't see the birds that will perch on your tree, you will stop short at the point where this vision satisfies you. But your vision is bigger than you. If you're in a place where your job is doing enough for just you, thank God for that. Don't put that down. But God wants your job to whatever you do for money to go beyond looking after you. If you're in a place where you are just about able to pay your bills and maybe go on a couple of holidays a year, that is fantastic. But the will of God is that you have surplus so that people can feed off you. That's the will of God. And until you're in a place of surplus, I'm going to say something strong now. Until you're in a place where others can feed off you, you will be selfish to stop where you are. Amen? Whilst you are, whilst you are the best asset that your vision has, apart from God, if you are the central focus of your vision, you're not yet embracing the vision that God has for you. Your vision has to be bigger than you. There has to be other people. So who else is going to benefit from that vision? Is this helping you think today? Yes. One more question. What demand is your vision placing on you? Amen? A quality vision is, will, will place a demand on you. A quality vision is not going to be your side hustle. Amen? It's not just going to be the thing you do kind of casually when you've done everything else. It's going to place a demand on you. And which of these demands are you responding to? Because every vision has demands. Jesus, do you have a vision of a glorious bride? Well, there is a demand to die on the cross. Abram, if you will experience what El Shaddai has for you, that vision demands that you leave your family and your friends in order to step into what I have for you. In fact, I was reading the whole story of Abraham recently, and I, and I don't believe that Abraham was the first person that God called. I believe God called his father to go to Canaan. Because if you read the story, you will find that Abraham, Abraham, Abraham is from Ur of Chaldeans. 
So he was there from, the, uh, from Ur of Chaldeans. Um, Abraham's father moved from Ur of Chaldeans, and the Bible says he was going to the land of Canaan. But then he stopped in Haran and settled there and died there. Now, God now meets Abram in Haran and calls him to where? Canaan. Amen. There are some things that if you don't do, God will have to raise somebody else. Hallelujah. Because the purpose of God will be fulfilled. It will be fulfilled. But whatever vision you have, Abram's father did not respond fully to the demands that that vision placed on him. And so he parked the vision somewhere. Now Abram had to pick up that vision, and now that same demand is on him to leave his family and move on to somewhere new. What demand is your vision placing on you? There is no such a thing as effortless success. It's not, it's not possible. There is not, there, is, there isn't, there, every success requires effort. Every success requires effort. Even sweatless victories, somebody sweated for it. Jesus sweated blood for you to get sweatless victories. Are you with me so far? There is no success that is completely effortless. Uh, the, only, the only thing whose effort, uh, the, only, the only question is, whose effort are you going to use? But it's going to require effort. In other words, will you trust your ability or will you lean on God's ability and grace? But every vision will demand effort from somewhere, from you. And you need to determine where you're going to get the energy, the effort to put into this. Every vision has demands. Some visions demand that you delete some numbers from your phone. I'm going to drink some water while I'm there. Some visions demand that you don't respond to certain text messages. Hello. You're a married man now. The vision of a happy household demands that you share your PIN number. <laughs> the vision of being a woman of God demands that you stop being a busybody. You were, you were shouting amen when I was talking about the brothers. <laughs> amen. Yeah, pastor, tell him to give me his PIN number. Yeah, yeah, tell, tell, tell her. No, amen. No. The, whatever vision you have, it places a demand on you. It places a demand. The, the, the vision of being, um, of an intimate relationship places a demand on vulnerability. You can't have intimacy without vulnerability. You can't have, you, 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 you just, it just doesn't happen because vulnerability is the price for intimacy. Your vision of being a man uh, demands that you are faithful. Your vision of being a daddy demands that you are present. Your vision of being a mother demands that you are selfless. Amen. It demands certain things. Your vision of being a leader demands that you are teachable. Demands that you're a servant. You can't be a leader if you're not serving. Amen. Your vision of being a, a, a Christ-like demands that you're a disciple. There is a difference between a follower and a disciple. Many born-again folk are still followers. But the reality is that if you're going to become like Christ, you are not just going to be following him on Twitter. You're going to have to be a disciple. 
which means that you are walking in the disciplines that he walks in. You are in his word like, you are, like he is in the word. You pray like he did. You set time aside to talk to him, to understand his disciplines. That's who a disciple is. And the call to be Christ-like, it doesn't just demand an ugly worship face for 10 minutes during the worship. It demands that once the worship is done, you are before God in his face. The, the, the vision of yourself being a, a, an amazing worship leader demands that the only place you worship will not be at church. Demands that you worship more when you're not singing than you do when you are. The demand, the, the vision of me being a pastor demands that I be in the word, that I learn the word, that I read the word, not just to preach, but I feed off the word. Because after a while, you know, the, you, know you, you are spirit, you can tell when somebody is preaching off their head. After a while, you know this is not coming from their spirit because it's not hitting your spirit, it's hitting your head. Amen. But, 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 but in order to be effective, We've got to be in the word to the place where I believe it enough, not because of what is happening in my life primarily, but I believe it because it's the word of God. That's what that vision demands. The book of Proverbs chapter 29, this famous scripture, verse 18 says, without a vision, the people cast off restraint. In other words, every vision demands that you maintain particular disciplines. The disciplines that you adopt are your response to the vision that you really see. Say it again. The vision, the, the disciplines that you adopt are a response to the vision you really see. In other words, the thing that really tells us whether you are seeing a vision from your tent or whether you are seeing a vision from the kingdom of God, from God's tent, is the disciplines you adopt. Abraham is adopting a discipline of planning for life with Eliezer. That's, that's how he has been planning. So, so what we know from that is that he, he does have a vision. And the thing that tells us the vision he has is the discipline of planning to make Eliezer his heir. But when you step out of the tent, you start to make different plans. Because your disciplines tell us which vision you really see. Sometimes we complicate our lives because we get tangled in a web of so many different disciplines. You got, to the, you, you, you got into the discipline of married folk when you were single. <laughs> Drink water. It took time. I know there are some things that I say that travels. You know sound travels? Sometimes it takes heart, particularly this time of the night. It takes, <laughs> it, it takes time for certain things to learn. And, and I can just say after, after I said it, it took about three or four seconds. I said, whoa, whoa. Amen. If you have a vision, if you, if you have a vision, you know, I'm trying to say we, we sometimes complicate life when we take on disciplines in the wrong season. So there are disciplines that you need to take on as a single person that don't apply in the season of being married because the vision is different. And it gets complicated if I, am, if I am in the lane of being a pastor and I am taking, in, taking disciplines or, or I'm walking in disciplines as a husband. In other words, if I come to you um, in the same discipline or with a discipline, that I, the way that I talk to my wife, it will be inappropriate where we are. 
Are you with me so far? What disciplines are you operating? Are you com complicating things? Are you complicating things? You had a job, but your disciplines are the disciplines of someone who's looking to get fired, not someone who's looking to, to, to be promoted. Do you get what I mean? So if you have a vision of yourself being promoted, the disciplines you would have is a discipline of coming early. The di I'm a man. The discipline you will have is a discipline of a positive attitude at work. The discipline you have is a discipline of not gossiping at work. The discipline you have is a can-do attitude at work. What we do is you come to church and get a vision of promotion, but go back to a discipline of getting fired. Someone say, that's not me. He's talking about people who are not here. No, no, so that, that's not me. <laughs> Amen. And the problem is that's where complications come because we have this vision, but we have this behavior. And it gets so complex because we don't see that the two need to be married somehow. You, your vision will simplify your life. Your vision will simplify your life because it will choose your disciplines. My vision has chose what I do on a Sunday morning. It's not complex for me. Sunday morning is no more deep. There's, no, there's not a lot of conversation about what I do on a Sunday or on a Tuesday because I have a vision of what we're doing. And so Sundays, I don't need to pray. I don't need to fast about what I should do. Nobody offers me opportunities on a Sunday morning because I have a vision that has narrowed that down. That discipline is taken off. Amen. Uh, my vision of a ha happy marriage has meant that I don't give my number everywhere. Amen. I want, to be ha I want to be happily married. Amen. I don't just want to be married. I want to be happily married. I want to be mar happy when I go home. That's my dream. And I am. Amen. That's my, my dream. My vision is that I go home and I am as happy as I, in fact, happier at home than I am on Facebook. Because folk are happy on Facebook. That don't mean you're happy at home. Most people have a vision of a happy marriage on social media. But that's not the same thing as a happy marriage at home. I am preaching good. And so what we need to do, if you want a happy marriage at home, and maybe on Facebook too, is don't take every number. Amen? Block people who say you're cute. Are you going to tell you that story? My God. I'm there preaching my heart out on social media, telling people about the love of God, and somebody responds to me and says, you cute. Block that in the name of Jesus. Get away from here. Do not come near my inbox. May the Lord rebuke you. I plead the blood of Jesus around. <laughs> Cuteness. <laughs> not today, devil. Not today. Some of you are saying that's extreme. Leave me alone. I have a vision. Because you know what happens is that you entertain certain conversations. I don't even know whether they meant it. In, I, don't, I don't care how they meant it. I know how I received it. Can I be honest with you? Can I be, can I, don't tell anybody on Facebook, okay? Just, because the reality is when I saw that, the, my first reaction was not to block it. My, don't shout me down. Let me just be honest. My first reaction was... <laughs> but then secondly, oh my God, no. Don't shout me down. You know it's true. I'm going to drink some water. But a vision. Everyone say vision. A <laughs> vision constrains me. My vision will, no, 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 I can't entertain. I can't even, I can't even dance around things like that. I can't even, you know, there's certain conversations. I, uh, no, 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 no. I have a vision of I want to grow old. I have a vision of a happy life. I have a vision of modeling something for my children. 
have a vision of being the kind of husband my daughter would want to marry. Amen. I have a vision of that, and so I model that at home and do the best that I can. I, I, you know, we all mess up in one way or the other. Parents, you know, just, just don't stress it too much. You probably mess your children up in one way or the other. But, you know, don't do it intentionally. Don't, amen. Just believe God. Everyone say, believe God. Your vision will simplify your life. Amen. Your vision will simplify. In certain conversations, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter, I love you so much as, as our church member, but, you know, you are, if you are dealing with something, a single woman, or, if, you know, particularly if you are of the opposite sex, and you're dealing with something at 12 midnight, you might need to call 999, because, because there are certain, com- <laughs> there are certain conversations where at this time of the day, I'm not coming. Jesus will have to come. Well, the, 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 beauty, the beauty about what we do, and, and this has been my experience, the beauty is that, is that we, 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 we are grown, I'm, 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 I really mean this, we have grown an, uh, a well-rounded church. I can honestly say that in all of the time that we've been pastoring, I've not had any of that problem. People, people understand boundary, people know, and that's a wonderful thing. Come on, give it up for our church, amen. But, but the reason I'm saying it is because I made that decision before we started pastoring. Before, so, so even though it's not something that happens, it is still a boundary because your vision has to constrain you. And finally, who's, whose voice are you listening to? Whose voice, who, who is speaking into your life? Who is speaking into your vision? Because we all need people to speak into our lives. Amen? Who, 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 you know, who, who are you learning from? Who is... Who, who, whose, words, whose words feeds your vision. Amen? I'm going to park it there for now. But that's what a quality vision looks like. I pray that you wouldn't just have a vision in theory. You know, it can be cool sometimes to talk about, oh, this is my vision and, and this is what I see God doing, but not really put the work in to make that vision a reality. But every vision God gives you, he is not a tease. He intends to fully manifest. And so I, I'm calling you to commit yourself, regardless of where your circumstances are. Remember, the whole point is come out of your tent and look up and let what is under God's tent frame your expectation. Have you been blessed tonight? Yes. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. I know that you always send us your word with, that, with the intention to transform, to do something significant in our lives. We open our hearts and say, Lord, that which is in your heart to do concerning this me- or from this message, go right ahead and do it in our lives, O oh God. Be glorified. Thank you, Lord. I see all these visions here. We see them manifesting. We see them glorifying you. We see marriages thriving. We see single lives thriving. We see, we see relationships thriving. We see businesses growing. We see our church growing. We see us becoming everything that you have desired us to be. And I thank you for the grace to walk in the disciplines that are required to manifest the vision that you have given us. We love you so much. We are grateful to you for all that you have done because you have indeed done all things well. Why don't you just lift your hands gently where you are and say, thank you for giving me a vision. Thank you that you are leading me. Come on, just thank him for what he has, what it is the goodness of, it is because he loves us that he gives us a vision, that he has a plan for our lives. So just give him praise where you are. Say, thank you that you have not left me without a vision of a better future.